Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I am your fraggle of a host, Grace Ann Helbig. It's a very exciting episode of Not Too Deep. Today's guest is none other than Bob Saget. Yeah, you heard me. It happened and now it's happening to you. This is some real big dad energy on this episode of Not Too Deep that I think you'll really enjoy because I for sure did. That man can't help but exude paternal nurturing. We talk all about his start in comedy uh, from a a 17 or 18 year old boy winning a comedy song contest on the radio to becoming the Danny Tanner that we all knew and shaped all of our collective childhoods to now where he's at using social media, starting his own podcast where he's just cold calling anyone that wants to talk to him and having really fascinating conversations. Um, This episode, in the midst of everything crazy in the world, provided a little bit of uh, calm and comfort for me and also was a little silly. We got it. I mean, it's Bob Saget. It's Bob Saget on Not Too Deep. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I definitely did. Enjoy Bob Saget on Not Too Deep. Bob, thank you for being here. This is very exciting. It's obviously strange times, but I appreciate the time you're taking to talk to us. And I appreciate that your uh, perspective is to stay true to the entertainment side of you and the ability, like the the superpower that you have to create a space where people can distract themselves in a fun and uh, hopefully healthy way. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're doing I appreciate what you're doing Grace because it's, oh, it's about because it's a there has to be an outlet for people to go somewhere to have a place of solace whether it be their their narrative television show right. and, and away from everything we've been feeling and watching and living and um yeah I've been um I've gotten really into Scrabble Go on my phone. It's been uh, an extremely helpful app, but my screen time on my phone is now up to like eight and a half hours a day. Is your battery is, dying more? Is Have you found it? Constantly. You- Emotionally and on my phone. Yes. Both batteries are dying. Do you think, forgive me, do you think it's busy or because you're so busy or you're so much younger than me that you just let it die? Because my wife no, lets her I'm- phone die. She, she's busy. She's busy. See- I'm not one of those. I'm constantly having it plugged in. So I feel like the battery drains faster, but I am charging it more often because having less than like 50% battery on a phone to me is very terrifying. I I don't know how people can let it go down to where it turns yellow or red. It's like an empty refrigerator. You can't, (laughs) you you have to keep it replenished. Yeah. But, but I I feel like you feel like um, we can have our feelings and we're hurting and we're, we're feeling and, uh, I always feel for humanity. I, I'm yeah. always a, a, a general lover of uh, as much as possible, and I can't understand. I can't understand hatred. I, I just can't. Right. Um, and I and just want to make people feel good. I just want to somehow. Yeah, there is a sense that I think all comedians and performers have a deep love for humanity. Obviously, because your job is to kind of scrutinize it, uh, experience it and process it through your own, you know, point of view and lens, and then also be validated by the people that make up humanity for your observations on it. So it's, 
obviously you want the best for humanity. Always, <laughs> always, all humanity. Because I don't understand how you uh, put people in cubicles. I don't get right. how you. Uh, but were you an outsider in school as a kid? Were you one of those? I was a very quiet, shy kid. Um, I was very much like, I think a lot of people that I went to high school with didn't know that I went to high school with them. <laughs> I was one of those. Were you very shy or were you more outspoken? I was both. I was really popular oh. in, when I was four and five. Okay. That's uh, how you peaked. <laughs> no, I peaked at about uh, 11. I was hilarious. Uh. Um, <laughs> And then I found I lived in Norfolk, Virginia. So then I found out what the world was like. Yeah. And then I started to get persecuted for being a, a, a kid that they persecuted. Um, and it was because of my religion. I mean, um, I'm uh, wow. what am I? I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius. No, I'm a uh, I was I'm a Jewish guy. So uh, they would make fun of that. And and it was it was really painful. And and that that affected me. I'm very sensitive. So do. You um, do you remember actively or do you have a memory of the first time you thought comedy was powerful or comedy was something that was interesting to you more than yeah. other things? Yeah, I knew at about four that it would make people like me so that I would oh. do funny things without probably most obnoxious things. And then uh, and a lot of comedians I've talked to and I've known because I'm so old, I've known some of them so old, but uh, there are <laughs> older people than me, thank God. But I, but a lot of the comedians like uh, Richard Pryor and Roddy Dangerfield, it was survival. Mm. It was literally their survival. So yeah, um, they um, Rodney used to say, "You do six minutes for the guard at the border in Germany, and then the Jewish guy can get out if he's funny. If you can make <laughs> the guard laugh." So mm. I tried to make people laugh, but then I got so insecure when I was thirteen, fourteen. Mm. And then I moved to California. So then I got all screwed up. And then I moved again between 11th and 12th grade. So my senior year was in Philly. And then I wow. went to college in Philly. So I was always an outcast. And so wow. I became a stand-up at 17 years old. Didn't know I was going to be one. Just really? Yeah. I was going to ask, what was the first thing that prompted you to say, I'm going to go try this? I wrote comedy songs and I'd seen people. <laughs> I snuck in and saw um, Don Rickles in Atlantic, no, in, uh, in New Jersey. Wait, that's mm. a, it's not Atlantic City. It was, I think it was Camden. And sure, uh, I'm from New Jersey originally. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Where? South Jersey. My dad and my stepmom live near Atlantic City. Uh, and then my mom and stepdad live uh, across the bridge from Philadelphia. I, that's my life. That's yeah. my whole life. Um, and I uh, won a radio contest with WMMR at singing. Wow. At 17, I wrote a song about bondage. Okay. <laughs> so you had seen some things in your lifetime. So, <laughs> the question, what happened to Bob? Why did he get like that? Why isn't he Danny Tanner? Was I wrote a song about bondage when I was 17. So right. there, there, was, there a, wasn't a big leap. Danny Tanner was the facade. Yeah, it's an actor. It's a part. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's finally going to go away. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, but so it, back. it's like Star Trek. So at 17, you write this song. You win a radio contest. You, you feel that first surge of, like, validation, the thing that, like, you all search for. And did, from there, did you start, like, actively seeking stand-up shows? Not, not, I didn't do it on purpose. I, okay. I, I, I went to film school at Temple University. I was originally a pre-med. 
I wasn't going to be a comedian. I wanted to be a doctor. I couldn't wow. pass a course. Wow. I couldn't do I couldn't do chemistry. I couldn't do bio. I, I couldn't do anything. I, yeah. and I even had a religion course, and I was like, I can't read all these books. I mean, <laughs> I, I got to make movies. And then I made a film, and I won the student Oscar for a movie I made. So they wow. flew me out to L.A. And then um, at the same time, those four years, I was doing improv at University of Pennsylvania with friends, even though mm-hmm. I wasn't a student, in, the, in, in their big show. They have Mask and Wig there, and I think called All-Star Review. Okay. And that's their hasty pudding type thing, but it's it's an Ivy League comedy thing. And so I was allowed to be in some of that. And um, I did improv, and I made movies, and I did stand-up. I did like five things just like I do now. Yeah. And I would direct, direct movies, uh, documentaries, things I wasn't in. And then I made mm-hmm. some terrible, I mean, 60 hours of horrible things. <laughs> and that's, the quicker you can make terrible things is as fast as you can make something good. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. That's what I, what I hope. And, um, and then when I moved to L.A., I was going to go to USC grad school. And Mitzi Shore said, no, work at the comedy store. So I did. And wow. I, I was there for eight years emceeing and met everybody, uh, all, the, all the greatest comedians of that wow. whole since 1978 and uh and that's it and then i just found out that i'm a stand-up and then i started touring right away and opening for people right away wow and, um, but i struggled i still lived in a single apartment in palms what's sure. what's your deal now i know you've talked about it on here a lot but oh sure uh my the abbreviated version of my deal is uh similar i went to college in northern new jersey i got into comedy. Uh, I started taking improv classes at the People's Improv Theater in New York um, because I was able to uh, intern there and UCB had a wait list for their internship. So uh, People's Improv Theater was like, can you start Friday? I was like, great, done. Uh, And then took some editing classes in college, but didn't really know what I wanted to do. Started, YouTube had started and uh, didn't know what that was exactly, but knew I could like make my own things while trying to go on auditions and do improv at the people's improv theater on a weekly basis and hustle. And then all of a sudden YouTube sort of blew up. Uh, and my friend and I were making videos and I started working for this website called my damn channel and made videos for them for a while and just got kind of, um, ushered into this world without it being an actual plan. Uh, a little bit like yours, that you just sort of follow the yeses to different things, to different things, to different things. Yeah. And uh, spent a couple years in New York and then moved here like nine years ago and have been in Los Angeles ever since, still trying to figure everything out as yeah. it goes. It never uh, stops, that it, trying to figure it out. No, it never stops. And I think the interesting thing about you, which I kept trying to I've been doing all this research and and looking up you know your your life and trajectory you know everyone is so surprised after full house that you be suddenly become this raunchy comedian uh and a lot of people don't know that this has just been in your blood your whole life and I wasn't as raunchy I think I I I was weird really weird and a lot of inappropriate jokes that you can't tell today uh, at all right and then from my start, and then uh, I was a guitar act, you know, mm. uh, which is uh, it's good and bad. It was I was doing parodies, which is the lowest form of comedy. And then uh, I started to write more original songs. Um, mm. And then every special I've ever done, every show I've ever done, you know, there's a lot of music in it. 
and right. and it and it's and the songs are getting better. I'm finding myself to be a better writer because a comedy song is not like a regular song. It's right. It's stand up, and if it's a good tune, it's it's real special if you can make that happen. Um, yeah, it's a skill. It's a total. I mean, like Weird Al has been doing parody but songs. His, his is parodies. Mine's are minor original. Sure, well, like the. The Adam Sandler's Hanukkah song when it first oh, yeah. came out, everyone not only was it funny and told a story that from a perspective that people hadn't heard before, but it was a good song to like yeah. the music quality of it was great too. Right. Uh, but I think it's interesting now because you are involved in social media, which is this new thing that when you're doing Full House, you don't have this on set where in between takes you can go make a TikTok or some bullshit like on, that. On Fuller House, we went insane because we had right. every every age demo was represented in the cast and there's 48 cast members. So it's crazy. It, was, it, it never stopped. But I was always documenting stuff because I had a video camera because I was the video guy too. So I was oh. pre-YouTube. That video show was the first time we ever saw somebody get hit in the crotch and fall down. So Right. No, that's the thing is America's Funniest Home Videos is uh, YouTube before YouTube existed. Which in fact, most- today I'm doing an interview with Emmy Magazine about reality television because we were at the forefront of it. And then, and then it was really after a writer's strike um, that, t- that the networks went, oh, what are we going to do now? Um, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll do reality shows. And then they started doing things, you know, free housewives. Right, right. All reality stuff came in. And unfortunately, when writers were ready to come back and they settled, it put a lot of writers out of work because reality had taken over. Now, with uh, what happened with the pandemic, uh, you know, television again Mm -hmm. has gone, how are we going to make shows? And let's get ready to make shows in a year or in Mm -hmm. six months. But for now, hey, let's put all, all of our late night shows on Zoom Right. or whatever machine they're using. And it turns out those ratings are higher than they were before because people are home. Yeah, everyone wants to consume content. And it's very, for someone that's been on YouTube for so long, watching you know, Stephen Colbert or John Oliver do what I used to do in 2009 in my apartment in Brooklyn. It's right. just a very, it's a weird sense of nostalgia and like uh, a real humanizing thing to see these people that we see in such a glossy format be stripped of that and be presented same, you know, intentions, but just like YouTubers in their bedroom. It's very- But you can see the same version of them uh, doing it. Yeah. In the same form you did because right. it's all... Look, if you're a communicator and a comedian and you're a broadcaster, uh, if you add that component, which you are mm-hmm. as well, because you could host anything at all in the mm-hmm. world if you wanted to or act or whatever you want to do. Um, but that is there's nothing more pure than this. Right. Form. I agree. There's not, yeah, it very, it, it takes away all the glossy sheen. It's the reason why YouTube became so successful is because you felt this uh, intimacy with creators that you didn't get from television. Television had this kind of blocking. I couldn't leave a comment under an episode of Full House, you know, but I can go and watch something online and interact directly with it or at least feel like I'm doing that. I usually get hurt with those comments. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now it's interesting. What did you make like a conscious shift in any way when you saw social media start to emerge? Did you 
did you think I need to get on Instagram or did someone come to you and say, you need to be on Instagram or you need to be on Twitter or did you kind of see this evolution? In one very organic, of- very really? organic. Yeah. But there were people that were conduits to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of friends like uh, Snapchat for sure. Someone put me on. Yeah. I think it was, uh, believe it or not, it was John Mayer. We were in a restaurant and he gave me the name Bobster Claw. And I went, can I even pick my own name? What are you doing? <laughs> He's and branding you for you. He branded me, but, <laughs> and it, you know, it's just wonderful, but I, you know, and then, um, Howie Mandel and my wife said, go on TikTok. And I went, Oh, okay. And I, I enjoy it right now. Is not the time. I'm not feeling that kind sure. of joyousness to go make a silly fun video. I'm looking forward to when we can do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and be silly and, yeah. and, and not have the, the stress we have from too much news. Um, cause you need some, you need some news, you need to know what's going on and you Mm -hmm. can't live on your citizen app. I don't know if you have that. I definitely have it. And there's a lot going on in my neighborhood. Oh my, you just hit a square and go, wait a second. This is an alert. A woman chases man with a stick. And I'm like, with a man hurts uh, building with a twig, you know, yeah. some of the things are a little bit, thank God. That's those are the ones I like. Yeah. I feel the like understated you, one. dog you, poops on, yeah. on fence. You live in an area with much more sticks than I do. Apparently it turns out. <laughs> we, they, we got a few sticks here and there. Um, okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, uh, I have oh, obviously a lot more questions for you. So we'll be right back with more. Not too deep. Okay, let's get into this. What I'm so you're also hosting Nashville Squares. Right. And I don't know if that's coming back because of the situation in the show business. But I'm I'm fascinated. Um, I love game shows, love reality TV, love scripted TV. What for you is the major like headspace difference when you're hosting something like uh, Funny Some Videos or a Nashville Squares versus a Fuller House? Uh, well, obviously, they're, those are they're also well, I did do a dirty version of the video show and we're waiting to find out where it's coming out. Um, oh, that's so, great. Yeah. And so that and we shot 14 of those. And um, Nashville Squares was a, a, an offer and a call. And they said, no, there's no script. You just have to say a couple things and then just screw around. I went, okay. And, uh, and so I enjoyed that because seeing great. me host the, and I write country music as well as all kinds of stuff. I, right. I, Isn't I, my dog licked my balls um, like a country song? Yeah. Just for your listeners. Yes. That is a song. She's not cursing at me <laughs> or telling me what her dog did. Uh, Cause no. that would be confounding. Yes. But uh, yes, my dog licked my balls is a country song that people just adore. And yeah. I have a, 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 a whole lot of different ones that just came up. Uh, the, the newest songs that I have that mean the most right now, there's one that I closed my last special with, which is called We've Got to Be Kind to Each Other. Mm-hmm. And that dealt with all of the hatred that I was seeing in the world. So all my stand up and I had a brand new hour to go to do a special and then the pandemic hit. So oh, I had to shoot. cancel all the road. And uh, when I come back, I've got a new hour and then COVID will be, uh, I'm going to sneeze. Watch this. Whoa. Bless you. In space, no one can hear you sneeze. Wow. But that's um, what, such a rare thing to catch on camera. 
Thank yeah, you, you for that it. opportunity. And you can put any sound you want. On. I know. You can put a, you know, the video show. That's but, great. Uh, but I have a song I'm very proud of that I can't wait to do. Um, and it's called I'm Not in Love with My Wife's Father. Um, oh. is, again, a little bent, a little bit different. But it's good to clarify that for people you who are wondering. Tell them. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot I, of assumptions made about you, I'm sure. And so you got to really put them to rest. Well, uh, after the aristocrats, people thought that, you know, there are no limits to what families can do. Very fair. Very fair. But uh, I, I, I want to get out there and do this, but we can't. And we're all going to have 10 minutes of COVID material. And we're also going to have a lot of social relevant yeah. material done, whether you do it or not. Um, the, the feeling behind it will be there. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it must be exciting and um, a little uh, confusing or, or different to know that you had all of this prepared and then the world makes some dramatic shifts and trying to reflect your you know, perspective of it in real time must be a little bit challenging to try and. It does make us want to, and I've been talking to on my podcast, I've been talking to a lot of our comedian friends and mm -hmm. and we're just uh, you know dying to get out on the road I'm obviously sure. now it's not the time and it goes without saying right and we, i'm not going anywhere until people don't have to sit six feet apart and wear a mask i mean right. that's that's not comedy that's like a south park bit you know right 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 um well, I how do about you do you do you go out and tour i do some live shows um usually with a couple friends of mine i don't do stand-up it's a very um scary world for me but uh the closest i do is kind of like we do storytelling and sketches and audience participation things and um stuff like that and we were supposed to do some shows um the last month that got moved to the fall ish still waiting to hear kind of every everyone's in that weird limbo right now um but i do want to talk about your podcast so you have you. yeah you have a new podcast i mean pretty new right you've been doing it for a few months now no um i oh. think about a month oh so a month it, okay so it very might be, new. it might be yeah it might be a couple months i don't know it depends on when this is uh out in the ethos i would say weeks yeah for i don't know so still, so still fairly new. And I do it a lot. How often do you? How often is yours out? Uh, well, t this podcast is out once a week, and we've been doing this for about six years. This one, and then my best friend um, and I have a podcast that we do once a week that we've been doing for a year and a half. That doesn't have right. any guests. Heard, it's just the two of us. I like that. I like that one also. Oh, thank you. But yours is Bob Saget's here for you. And the conceit is basically people you're talking with comedian friends uh, and then other people that call in for advice. I have people that call a line, a number that's right. listed up in the, uh, you know, the menu uh -huh. on the whatever you're listening to it on. <laughs> and then I, I post on uh, Instagram stories and Twitter when I'll be calling. OK, so you call so them. I, I call them. Wow. Which is really cool because they don't know when I'm going to call. Wow. Or, or if I'm going to call. And so like a couple days a week, I do those shows. Sometimes I'll do a, a, a monologue by myself, of just uh -huh. how I'm feeling. Um, right now, I kind of need to talk to people. Yeah. What's it been like? I mean, because this isn't a, it's a little it's a little bit. It's a big risk to say I'm just going to call cold call people and have conversations with them. How has it been having 
human to human conversations with people. I have, it's, I find it so rewarding. And once really? in a while, um, there won't be hate, you know, it, the, those are weeded out unless someone's sure. trying to, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, troll me. Troll you, or, yeah. Uh, right? So then they're real nice on the message, then you call them and then they say horrific things. But <laughs> the edit's so simple. And yeah, so, <laughs> so it's hanging up, you know, that's I won't great. be talked to that way and I'll probably leave it in. Uh, but I like it to be as much live, you know, to tape as possible, even though it's yeah. not a tape. And it's really wonderful. I've talked to nurses in hospitals that are, uh, you know, I lost a patient today and then it's like, whoa, okay. Wow. So this just, it, it becomes very uh, chameleon-like where I change according to what I'm dealing with. And mm -hmm. then she tells me how she's a social worker also and how her son is autistic. And then I'm, I'm starting to cry and then I get to make her laugh with something. Uh, yeah. And so for me, that's, and the, the, the show was designed pre-pandemic and then I did two in studio and then we couldn't go anywhere. Right. And so the title um, meant even more. It yeah. was really about all the unrest and unhappiness and dissension that I was feeling from everywhere I was touring and everywhere we looked on the news, everywhere mm -hmm. you looked, there's a hand to hold on to. Um, mm -hmm. But then um, that was the design of it. And then I started calling my friends. I had to, uh, and they're, they're, they're long podcasts. Some of them are 90 minutes, like Bill Burr is pretty long. And Howie Mandel and I had a wonderful discussion because he's yeah. the king of social distancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've bumped that fist before. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And he he does, he won't be doing that anymore. And I doubt and, it. Yeah. And I had Tiffany Haddish on because mm -hmm. I had a connection with her because I had I got the teacher in comedy camp at the Laugh Factory. Wow. She was Sixteen. I mean, she was like living in her car at eighteen. She. Wow. He really came from nothing yeah. and wanted to be Richard Pryor. And he's kind of my, one of my idols of my life. And, and I knew him and loved him. Uh, mm -hmm. And, um, But it must uh, be cathartic because a lot of people, obviously, you're ingrained in the this very paternal role in all of our lives. The, and a lot of like our teenage years that are the most like developmental parts of our lives. So you've always, for all these strangers, represented this father figure right. that now you're getting to actually be almost a father figure by calling up these people and emotionally checking in on them that you're fulfilling the role that we all have kind of deemed you as in and I accept culture. it and I like it and that's yeah. when the, the therapy has paid off because because yeah. uh, at first when I started coming out in my you know around 40 mm -hmm. um, I got uh, I was divorced at like 41 not 42 and then um, and I have three wonderful daughters uh, mm -hmm. that are women um, and, uh, which is comforting. That's great. I don't know what that means. Uh, but, um, that didn't come out right. <laughs> I just, I meant that they didn't stay young. That's what right. I meant. But other That's... people will say that, Oh, what are you saying? Are you right. saying, Oh, please. Everybody's back. Just relax. Uh, but, um, I've had to be careful with jokes I've done about them over the years, you know, that I really upset my middle daughter, when she was like 16, I was on an HBO special and I talked about her thong being like an eye patch because I was doing laundry. 
Uh-huh. And she goes, Dad, you don't know how much shit I had to take for that. I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry. And then I talked about her cell phone. I love Verizon. And I turned her into a monster that oh, loved her great. cell phone. And it was terrible. And I've apologized over and over. But um, it's it's really interesting that the, the pandemic uh, caused everybody to have to be home and have mm-hmm. this uh, and and want to be soothed. So yeah, I'm like a dad voice. Yeah. It's- and it's and I and I like it cuz I'm also like, oh Bob, come on, let's let's just get into it, man. Be dirty, you know. It's like <laughs> be dirty and then I just berate them, yeah. which is what they want in the first place. <laughs> and so I I can go as R-rated as a person wants, but I'm not whenever anybody ever writes X-rated or someone's like, "What are you talking about? Why don't you watch about yeah. five of the best comedians that don't work clean mm-hmm. and just work as they talk. They, they, they're, it's not work. It's how they talk but yeah. in front of a lot of people. And I'm no dirtier than them. I don't talk usually. My stuff's bizarre. It's got sure. squirrels in it. You know, it's got animals. You know, it's like John <laughs> Oliver is always, when you're watching John Oliver, he always will go to an animal to get you right. out of the political mess yeah. that he brings up it's an animal or it's gritty the mascot it's yeah. one of the two um, Oh yeah do you now check in with your daughters when you feel like you have material or conversation that could affect them negatively well actually the one that i talked about her thong um <laughs> i was recording a solo podcast uh-huh. And and she called while I was recording the solo podcast. And I said, <laughs> you want to go on the podcast? And she said, sure. And she's on like my, I don't know what episode it was, like fourth or fifth. And Lara is her name, wow. L-A-R-A. And we talked for an hour and 15 minutes. Um, wow. And it's, it, what I love about podcasts, and, and I'm like naturally meant, born, it's, it's an easy facility for for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for what you were saying was people don't know me as just being who I am. Right. Which I don't, which is so interesting about this time because so many people would never show the inside of their homes. Right. And so many people would never uh, be human. Right. They have the facade of show business and mm-hmm. you always have to be the big star. And that's true of some people that don't want to get involved and I respect and, you know, uh, look up to a lot of people that don't even go on social media. Right. I, I had John Ham on um, recently, and he doesn't do social media because he doesn't mm. believe in it. Mm. He just thinks it's a, a thing he doesn't want to get himself hooked into. It just, he just wants to do the work. Yeah. And he's just a, just a lovely, talented, wonderful guy. Um, so... Uh, I I think what I love about and I've been doing podcasts as a guest for so long, right? That it was always a natural facility. I, when I used to go on Stern all the time, I would always, and that's pre-podcast, obviously. Yeah. It was. It started when before he went to Sirius. I was on his free radio, you know. Wow. Um, and we would have really long conversations, and it was pre his divorce, and mm. I had already gotten divorced. And I had three daughters, he had three daughters, and we would talk about, you know, he would say he was in the in the basement watching on the internet. I said, if you don't get off the internet in the basement, you're not going to stay married. <laughs> and that's what you get out of this kind of district. Yeah, no, there's a nice, uh, yeah, there must be a nice kind of um, freedom in the 
platform in which you're able to be unedited. You're able to speak freely. You're able to speak without um, uh, expectation of a punchline all the time, uh, which I think, at least I know for myself, is why I enjoy it so much, is that the the level of uh, allowing yourself to be funny and also allowing yourself to be real is a really wonderful balance that I enjoy a lot more than sitting down and trying to write out like a YouTube video or something like that. That's what's great about you. That's what's great about, and, and you're in a small air of people that don't have a show produced to get out. Yeah. That sit there with bullet points and a script. And now comes the part of our show where we ask questions, you know, yeah. uh, what do you think of when I say this, you know, um, mm -hmm. but to just, you, you got to be people's friend yeah. and, and that's what they really want. And I want, I kind of am finding the higher road of people right now. Well, that's, I think that's very exciting. And also it's very commendable to be able to just sort of take down any wall between you and an audience and like connect by calling them up directly and having it's conversations. Really, <laughs> it's really strange. And then I'll, some of the episodes that I love is they, they know I'm going to call. They, mm -hmm. or they, they don't believe it's going to happen, but everyone is surprised. And right. then they, and they'll pass the phone around and some people are 10 people in one apartment. Yeah. So I'm talking to all economic groups, people right. from all kinds of walks of life. And those are some of my favorite conversations. And I'll go for a half hour with the whole family. That's great. Put the five-year-old on, you know. You know. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the, the 20 year old guy will get on, he'll want to talk raunchy and then he'll go, I went in the other room. It's okay, Bob. <laughs> No, no, go back. I want to talk to your mom again. But so I am navigating through a parental. Yeah, thing. you're doing a little bit of family counseling at the same time. It sounds <laughs> I'm, I'm like really, I am. But yeah. the, the thing is, they're they're the gift, um, yeah. and and they don't have anybody to talk to. One mm -hmm. guy was in a hotel with his mom, and they didn't know where to go because they didn't have any money, wow. and they were going to leave after talking to me. They were going to leave the hotel, and go somewhere and they didn't know where wow and when i was done with that i just went into the other room which is like you know, going across town right now yeah, yep and and uh i just started crying and my wow. wife said what happened i said i just had the most deep conversation that hurts me wow. um and how many checks can we write because there's so much that needs help mm -hmm. so uh but but that's the i i love it I love yeah. it. And it took me a long time. Mm -hmm. I actually had my therapist actually said to me, and it took me a long time to get to a good therapist. I had a bad one for a while, and then I had this amazing one. Um, yeah, that's the thing, too, that I think a lot of people don't realize is that you got to find the right therapist. Some of them are not as good as others for you. No, they're really bad. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of, um, I've had a lot of mental health issues in my family. Mm. I, I've lost two sisters, uh, one mental health issue and one scleroderma, which is hardening the skin. Mm -hmm. And so I, I mean, I got my toe in many different areas of trying to help. But the mental health world, people are giving people the wrong meds. They don't even yeah. give them the right diagnosis. They tell mm -hmm. them they've got one thing and it's not that. Right. Uh, you know, you're schizophrenic. Take these meds. Uh, and, and they're not. They're, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, anyway, I don't want to get too heavy on it. But everybody... Howie Mandel and I were talking about it because he wrote it in his book. He said, everybody, everyone has mental illness. Mm -hmm. Some 
not as strong as others. Some not at all because they have it under control, but they have it. Mm. And it's how open the, 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 the valve is on how much you can't handle. And, yeah. and so talking to a good shrink and, and my, uh, what I got out of my person and some people don't believe in therapy mm-hmm. and some people, um, and I can understand that. I mean, they weren't raised that way. I sure. wasn't raised that way to believe in it. Yeah. Um, we had to go to family therapy for my sister once, um, but she was really going through a hard time and my parents couldn't open themselves. They were good people, but they, right. they couldn't, um, there was no acceptance that they had a part in any of the problems. Mm. And you can't you can't be like that. Um, yeah. So um, if you're not part of the, but well, I don't know what the expression is, then you're part of the problem. Right, 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 right. But but my shrink said is no, you. This is who you are. You do take care of everybody. Hmm. Take care of your your daughters. You take care of people you love. Mm-hmm. You you want to do that. That's mm-hmm. your role. Why do you think you do this? Why do you like to direct? Why do you like to mm. produce stuff? Why do you like to more importantly, take care of people that you love. Why are you a conduit for so many friends? Um, yeah. And then I went, I accept. I accept my role. And yeah. so and 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 it really came out in my am I talking too much about No, myself? you're great. This is fascinating. Okay. And thanks. It's but still it not also, statistic. No, I mean, sure, but so is anything that we do that isn't, you know, the completely and utterly selfless. Um the but I that's an important thing to recognize because there's also some obvious, um, like you feel purpose or you feel whole because you know you are providing for other people or caring for other people. I get so much from it. Yeah, and it's crazy that you're only a month or so into your podcast. I'm excited for you to expand and just see where you go with this. If you're already, you know, generating so much joy and you know just complex conversations with people a month in it's and uh, and i'm doing it every monday wednesday friday Um, wow so so there's i usually have a a special guest uh friend um Mm -hmm. and and they're from they're all different kinds of people that i just love and um and some don't like we were talking don't want to deal with um, the issues at the moment, but can't mm-hmm. avoid them. So right. it's in general terms, like Jim Gaffigan. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that's been doing this amazing thing um, with his family. And it's it, he's going bonkers not yeah. being able to go out. And then the fortunate people that have movies that can't go and finish their movie because they've got mm-hmm. four more to make. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you lucky yeah. bastard. But it's all perspective. But it's uh, but taking responsibility and if you're solid enough as a person, the gift you have is to help other people. Yeah, I think that's really uh, to keep it in the most simple form, the uh, great way to think about it, because it's very easy to get overwhelmed and be suffocated by your own sense of helplessness and also be distracted by your own sense of not being able to fix everything all at once. And, and it's impossible when you take the world in. When you when you watch mm-hmm. the news, it's impossible. Absolutely. And I, I resent the format that we have allowed and, and that the news networks have allowed where I feel like it's not as much, and I'm not calling out anybody because everybody's, mm-hmm. it's all about ratings. Yeah. So they, they, everybody's, it's like a, a, a wrestling match, you know, but yeah. the big story, we've solved the whole problem 
after this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> We've cured coronavirus, and we'll tell you how right after this. Right after uh, this. Four uh, commercials about cars for kids. I know. I mean, kids can't drive. Um, I my, They're going to have to soon. Probably. Well, that's a perfect segue for my last set of uh, ads for this episode of Not Too Deep. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, as ironic as that is. And when we get back, uh, we'll wrap up with the two questions that I ask every single guest that is on the podcast. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Um, well, I'm going to ask you some really hard-hitting questions. There's two that I ask every single guest that is on the podcast. Um, Can I ask you one question? Then of how did you come up with the title for your, for this? Uh, oh, uh, well, I've I, been I've been told this by women before. Oh yes, yes, it's a uh, very people have done that joke with you, right? Yes, yes, yes. Well, the it's pure innuendo. I mean. <laughs> There is a sense of innuendo. It wasn't created solely based on innuendo. I, when I first did a friend's podcast years ago, um, it was a very, and I'm, I'm raised in a very, uh, English, British sort of family repressed. Don't talk about feelings kind of household. Uh, as adults, we're all much more in touch with our feelings and the way that we communicate. But I remember doing a friend's podcast like six or seven years ago, and it felt like a therapy session with like two older brothers. And right. it was very overwhelming. And it was a little too much for me at the time, but I understood the value in it. So I wanted to create the antithesis of that and do a podcast that was solely about nonsense. And that's how this it started with questions that didn't allow me to get to know the person that I was talking to in any way, shape or form, just completely nonsensical questions. But as I grow, evolve, change, mature as a person, I find humans, like you were saying, infinitely fascinating in, in all of their weird complexities. And so it just started morphing more into, I don't care to hear only about the silly stuff. I am fascinated with what's under the surface. So the name isn't as apt now, but it's still. Uh, I like it. I mean, it, it tells you what it is. Is we're going to, yeah. we're going to talk about stuff, but we're not going to go so deep that it's going to uh, uh, damage you. I mean, cause no, it's only where you're comfortable. Else. Right. Okay. Uh, first question. <laughs> Is who this uh, answer obviously will change on a regular basis. It's not one concrete answer for a lot of people. But who, alive or dead, would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? Well, alive or dead, cold spaghetti. I, I, mm -hmm. I guess uh, I wouldn't want to throw. Uh, is there sauce too? It's a, it's your choice, dealer's choice. Well, I don't want to hurt anybody, even mm -hmm. if they are incredibly evil. Well, the so, other, the, it's, you're also, your intention is up to you. It can be a celebratory. Oh, could it be a Teletubby, something that's not real? Yeah, absolutely. Because they really got on my nerves. So I would, <laughs> I would just throw it on a Teletubby because I just look at that as marketing. I didn't yeah. think that tried to entertain a child. <laughs> uh, I don't think any kid came away and said, I miss Teletubbies. Fair. Yeah. I also feel oh, like that Power Rangers, Power Rangers. Also. Oh, okay. Okay. So you have two uh, sensitive spots in your. <laughs> well, my my first choice would have been Hitler, but that right. you know, I think Teletubbies a little less painful. 
for people yeah. to have to hear the word, which I just said anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> but also, I feel like the a Teletubby being showered uh, with spaghetti is a probable through line that has happened on that show before. And, you know, they say that anything you think of, as weird as it might be, someone has, has been done. Which means a Teletubby showering to some people is hot. <laughs> And I think that they need to see some uh, some professional help. They, they need uh, they because uh, a Teletubby <laughs> take two Teletubbies taking a shower is almost something that is you could find on the internet. If somebody has done that, I guarantee you that is there is an anime out oh, there. Oh, I'm sure uh, it's if you think about googling it, it's able to be googled. Uh, we're gonna move on to the next question, which please, is please. Uh, Everyone gets asked this to tell us your worst pants shitting story or a close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases or a combination. So mine is college jogging front lawn. Got it. Mine is bed, flu, milk oh. dud. The candy? It's candy oh, size. Okay. okay. A, a, a poodle. A poodle. I see. I see. I see. In my mind, I, I, I'm such a sweet tooth that I had some desperate hope that maybe there was a cure for the flu in milk duds that I hadn't heard about. What I'm describing is another thing you could probably find on the internet. I understand now. I understand now. Um, Bob, we've reached the end of the podcast. No. I know. I'm sorry. But I'm going to be so lonely. My wife's working all day. Come on. You have another interview after this. You no, have a busy it won't schedule. be. For, I can put it off. Um, well, what can people or what should people know about what you're working on? You have your podcast. What else is going on for you that they might not know about? Well, uh, soon I hope to have an announcement about uh, directing a movie that will happen as soon as we uh, get through this sure. uh, crazy time. Um, and um, there's another couple of television projects that I'm also acting as a producer on, but it's Great. too soon to tell it because we don't know where we are. But gotcha. the main thing is, if they look at my website, they'll see the tour that will happen when Great. it's safe to be out. And then I'll be doing a special now next year that I'll be doing all this new material, which is really more humanistic than I've ever been in my work. Um, That's very exciting. It, it'll be good. And in the meantime, this podcast is not an in the meantime for me because I'll always be doing it. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Some people are doing it as a as a temporary thing because right. they can't act right now. They can't do this. So, oh, we'll do a podcast about, right. oh, uh, we're bitter, you know, and we're, or we're sad. And mine is trying to boost up people. And I, I, I plan to do it anyway. It's just a hard drive for everything else I do. So I know yeah. that's what you do. You're doing this Great. for years now. My God. Yeah. Yeah. But you I mean, I have no doubt that you'll get there. If you're this um, enthusiastic about it, already i can only see it continuing on and getting bigger and better um, thank you the one last thing is normally when we do the podcast in person we um give our guest a gift of a personalized fortune cookie but because we're doing this digitally i think melissa has a virtual fortune cookie um that's personalized to you from us for making time to chat with us that's so sweet oh i got it here it is Okay, uh, great. I'm, I'm just downloading it. 
Here it is. I'm so excited. Thank you. <laughs> of Thank course. You. The least See, we it's, can it's do. real, everybody. It's real. Look so, at it. Here it is. A wise man once said on his podcast, love right now just means spraying somebody with hand sanitizer. That's how you love them. Unfortunately, we, we just met, so we don't know if we're ready for that step. Maybe on the next podcast. Yeah. What a fortune. It's it's a lot to take in. I <laughs> yeah, take your time. Process that for the rest of the day. As 2020's vernacular says, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Didn't hear that uh, in 2019. Where'd that come from? This is. A, I'll be reading this all day. Oh, good. Uh, where can people follow you because you are so involved in social media if they don't right. already know? I'm just, uh, it's my uh, uh, Bob Saget. <laughs> what a mystery. Uh, it's S-A-G-E-T. So that's where I'm at on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, uh, TikTok, uh, your grandmother's house. Uh, Great. <laughs> uh, stay away from your grandmother's house, by the way. This ain't the time, right? No, 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 you no. You don't know. And uh, and my website is uh, myname.com. Not Great. it's not my name. It's not my name. <laughs> Your name here.com, but it's my Perfect. name. Yeah, so it's all under me because I get that's the nice thing about uh, being a known person. The only nice thing is sometimes tables and restaurants, depending on who answers the phone. Sure. And then the other thing is uh, you get to have your websites. You get to have all of your own uh, socials. No one can steal your name. That's, that's good. You want to go where it's like cheers. You want to go where nobody steals your name. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better. Well, thank you for spending time with us. And thank you for um, just a wealth of information. And, and, and I'm very excited for the conversations that you're having. And I'm glad that we got to chat today. Everyone and go check so out. You're so sweet. You're oh, so sweet. You're so thanks. kind. I'm trying. Trying the best that I no, can do right now. You're wonderful. That's thank very you. Thank you, and we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep, too deep, too deep, not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry, and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>